I had, I had two, um, two important events happen to me this week. One was that Jan's looking at me going, what's he going to say now? <laughs> and one was I had my ears unblocked. Ah, so I'm sort of, I can hear. I can even hear me. And, um, and the second was that we had our windows cleaned. So I can see out of them now after, after that Sahara dust. Um, but I just thought there's a, there's a sort of metaphor there, isn't there, of, of, of us, you know, having our ears unblocked and uh, at seeing clearly um, who, who God is. So, um, so hopefully we can, we can start to do that today. I'm going to carry on. Uh, the, uh, we're doing a short series in the lead up to Easter. Um, and I'm going to follow on from what uh, Ard said last week, where... He, he really set out the problem <laughs> that, that we have and why Easter needed to happen. And he left it with um, that, that we were um, separated from God. As it said at the end of, uh, end of Genesis um, uh, 3, it says, um, it says after, after he drove the, the man from the place in, in, on the east side, sorry, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden, Cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. And there was sort of a separation. There was a, 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 a no, no turning back point. Um, but, and what I want to do today is start to unpack some of the way that God didn't give up on us then. He didn't sort of say, that's it, you've had it. Yeah, go, go away, I've, I've had enough of you. He, he, he tried and tried again to, to build relationship with us to bring his presence to us. Because in the garden, his presence was there. He walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. All right? There was a creation. There was, he was present with his people. And, um, and what I want to look at today is, is how we sort of, um, how that happened, how that um, happened, that he started to renew and recreate and restore um, that relationship with us. And I want to look at... Um, some verses from John to start with, and, uh, and it's what, uh, what Jesus said. And uh, I'll read to you. It's John chapter 2 and verse 13 through to 22. If you want to follow it in your Bible, your app, your back of your hand, whatever you've got it written on. Um, and, uh, and it's going to appear on the screen. It says, When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem In the temple courts he found people selling cattle, sheep and doves and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves he said, get these out of here, stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it is, is written, seal for your house will consume me. And the Jews then responded to him, what sign can you show us to prove that you have to prove your authority to do all this? And Jesus answered, destroy the temple and I will raise it again in three days. And they replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple. Are you mad? And you are going to raise it in three days. But the temple he had spoken of was his body. And after he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. And um, 
there's a reference there, isn't there, to you know, three days to build a temple. The, the, you know, the people must have, um, must have thought, oh, it's crazy. And, and this is the only, the only time when Jesus is recorded as saying these words about the, the, the temple being rebuilt in three, destroyed and rebuilt in three days. But it's, it's, it's referred to quite a number of times. It's referred to as a, as a testimony when he was before the Sanhedrin, before he was crucified. Somebody said, you said, you, you know, you said you're going to destroy this temple and rebuild it in three days. It was, it was accusations thrown at him on the cross by those passing by and by the people who were crucified with him. So there's a real sort of, um, if you like, Easter connection to this. And, um, and, um, and he must have said it a few times because it, like, it was like trending at that time. Yeah? It was... <laughs> they had social media then, didn't they? Didn't they? Didn't they? So, you know, it must have been sort of, you know, trending or, or you know, they, they knew about it and um, that he'd said this. So it was, a big, it was a big deal. And I just want to unpack why he, why he spoke like this. Why he used this metaphor of the temple as, as a thing that, that he was going to do. Because he's, in effect, he's saying, I am the temple. Now, most people would have said, that's crazy. <laughs> you know, to come and say, I'm a temple. And, and to, um, to get people to believe that. And then, and it's like C.S. Lewis says, you know, some of the things that Jesus says, he, he, we either have to think he's mad, or he's the devil, or he's the son of God. And, and you know, I'm with the latter, that he is the son of God. And, um, and, and I just want to, sh- I want to show today what, what he meant by, by saying, I'm, I'm the temple. That one that you've got is, is, is finished. And that's why he cleared people out. Yeah, that's why he cleared people out of it, to say it's finished. And that was destroyed about 40 years later by the Romans. You know, that, that was finished. And he was re-establishing himself as the place where worship happens. As the place where the presence of God comes down into, into earth, into people. And uh, just to unpack that now. See, temples aren't, aren't unusual, I mean, there's temples, you know, in the, in, in the ancient world, you hear of temples um, all, all through the Old Testament. Um, uh, you, you know, the prophets are really sort of having a go at, at Israel for building different temples and, and the people around them for their temples. So they had lots of, lots of temples. And it's not just in the ancient world, is it? We have lots of temples today. And we have lots of, you know, the, the Sikh and, um, and Buddhist and Hindu temples around the place. Um, and we'd be, we'd be fooling ourselves if we said that in a, in a Western secular culture, which is what we live in, that we didn't have temples as well. Yeah? We've got temples. We have sports stadia. We have shopping malls and centres. We have social media. We have you know, online, um, online purchasing. We have a whole range of stuff that we don't call temples but really are temples where we go to, to meet, we go to get what, um, what we want. We go to meet, meet our idols. <laughs> we go to buy our idols. Uh, yeah? And so, so these things aren't, you know, aren't uncommon. They're not unusual. The one thing they do have in common, though, is that quite often Jesus isn't in them. That, that Jesus isn't at the center of them. 
that he's not represented, that God himself isn't, isn't in them. And, um, and that leads to some frustration, doesn't it, and some, some difficulties that we, that we might have. And, um, you know, we, we live in a, a, a secular society, which probably you can define as um, having... Lo- we've got lots of Christian values around in our society, but we've got Christian values without Christ. And, um, and we really need to put him back uh, in, in the centre of things so that, you know, our, our education, our families... Yeah, our politics have, have Jesus at the centre, and uh, we'll start to look at that. The, um, and we can start to see with the right perspective, can't we? We can start to see with windows a bit clearer if we put him in the centre. We, um, you know, we, we bring in the window cleaner. And the temple in, for Jews, though, was, was pretty important. And we need to just um, consider how important it is. Um, Norbert told, uh, told the story that a few weeks ago, didn't he, about the, the lady at the well in, in John 4. And she asked Jesus, well, you know, you've got this temple in Jerusalem. We've got another one up here. What, which, one, which one is it? And Jesus said, neither of those. Forget about those. He said, um, and he said, you know, basically he said, I'm it. <laughs> but he said to her, no, salvation is from the Jews. So it's, it's really important that we just get through the history if you like, I just want to run through quickly the history of the, the temple in the Jewish culture and what it means, what it means for them, that it's the place where, where they met with God. And uh, creation is a temple, isn't it? And, uh, you, you know, the Garden of Eden was a temple. It was the place where God was present, where he was worshipped, where, where men and women could, could serve him and, um, and do what he wanted them to do, which was to fill the earth, to bless the, the earth, to, to to complete all the, all the stuff that he'd started and to work. And, um, and he didn't stop seeking relationship when he, when he kicked them out, as it were, of the garden, when, the, when there was a separation between us. And, um, and he did it. He, he started with Abraham, appearing to him. He, he started with, um, with Moses. I mean, his first presence was in a bush. I mean, that's, that's weird, isn't it? Yeah. And... Uh, and then he, then he went with the people of Israel in a cloud and in fire. And then he, then he appeared on a mountain. And, and, then he, um, and then eventually in a box, what they called the tabernacle, that they went in a tent. And then eventually they, they, they sort of brought it to Jerusalem and they, they, brought, they created a temple. They built a temple in Jerusalem. They built a building that they put him in, <laughs> as it were. And... and God filled it, filled it. And all of those, in all of those cases, the Lord, the God, came and filled those with his glory and with his presence. Okay? So I'm going to show you a few verses that, um, that sort of demonstrate what that, what that means. And I'll just pick out verses from these. I think they're there, Sarah. So, um, so first of all, on, on the mountain... It said, um, for six days, cloud covered the mountain, and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. Um, and, and it said to the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. That's presence. Yeah, that's, that's presence. In the tabernacle, that's the tent that they traveled around the desert with and put up every, every so often, where they were camping. It said, then the cloud covered the tent of the meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle, and Moses could not enter it. 
right? Work stopped. Work stopped when, when the glory of the Lord came upon it. They couldn't, couldn't go in it. And I think that's actually one of the reasons why Jesus kicked people out of the temple. Because if God had been there, then they wouldn't have had to work. They wouldn't, they wouldn't have filled it with cattle and sheep and what have you. That would have been just too much. Um, it says Solomon built the temple and, um, in about 1000, 1000 BC, just before that. And, uh, and it says, when, uh, when Solomon finished, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering. And the priest could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. You get in the picture. There's, there's glory. There's glory here. There's, there's amazing glory that stops people in their tracks, that, that creates a, an environment where people are, are knocked off their feet, basically, by the glory of God. Um, further down, it said, um, the court was full of the radiance of the glory of the Lord. Um, and again, it says the priest could not. The, these priests get off really lightly. Yeah, they, they, they can't get in and do their job. And um, because the cloud, the glory of the Lord, filled the temple. Um, you know, and just goes on and on. Okay? That there is where the, where the glory of the Lord is, where the presence of the Lord is, there is glory. There is, there is a sort of a stopping of breath at, at, at what he's like. And, and of him coming and his presence. The problem they had was that all of that went a bit pear-shaped, the problem that Israel had. Because in, um, in about 587, that temple that they built, it, it lasted about 500 years. That was destroyed because they, they went after... You know, they try and replace it with other gods. They got assimilated into the people around them. They became like the people around them, and um, and and God was no longer the centre of that of that worship. And that that temple got destroyed, flattened by Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, and um, and 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 he exiled all the people. And you probably not know the story. They came back about seventy years later. And they, they rebuilt the temple. They started to rebuild the temple. And over the next sort of 500 years, there was, there was a rebuilding program that went on. And, um, and the people referred, the, 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 the Sadducees referred to it, didn't they? It's taken 40, 46 years to build this. Because, because when, just at about the time of Jesus, they started to rebuild and renovate and extend the temple. And it became a huge, um, huge wonder, a brilliant, brilliant building. The problem was that at no time is it recorded that God's presence filled that temple. They had a party. They had lots of activity. But at no point did the, did the glory of the Lord fill that new temple. Which is a sort of, a, a sort of metaphor, isn't it, for some, some of the things we do today. There's a lot of activity, but we really need the glory of the Lord to fill the temples that we have built with our human hands. Yeah? I'm not saying those things are bad. Some are bad, some are dire, but some are okay and quite good. But we need the Lord to come and fill them, don't we? So there's a, there's a, there's a metaphor there for today. And, um, and Jesus said, didn't he, I come that you might have life. I've come to bring life. So the presence of the Lord brings life. 
And if we skip forward to you know, that time of Jesus, of Jesus coming, of Jesus entering the scene, and he turns up as a, as a new temple, he starts to do things that demonstrate that God is present amongst his people. So from having no presence, they start to see God returning to bring his presence to those, to those people. Yeah? And although that temple had no presence in it, it did. And that's why he, he turfed the people out. So he said, I'm here. You know, I'm, I'm rebuilding God's presence amongst his people. And, um, and he did it. He showed it. He, he demonstrated that the kingdom was coming by, by healing people. Um, he, he demonstrated it by, you know, by just the way he spoke. He just demonstrated a new sort of presence of God. This is what the presence of God looks like. And um, the curtain torn when he, at the crucifixion, that's another sign that the way is open in the temple. You know, you, you, know, you know that, you probably know that. But that the way is open. And that relationship is now open. And there's no need to fear now. So that while, whereas before they stopped work, now we can come and actually endure that presence. We can actually start to operate in that, in that presence. And um, if we skip forward to Revelation, you're getting through the whole of the Bible here, okay? All right? Well, if we skip forward to Revelation, we find that the whole, and, and it's, Habakkuk talks about the whole earth being filled with God's glory, with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. We see um, in Revelation that the, the, um, the, it says, look, God's dwelling place, left us in Revelation 21. It says, look, God's dwelling place is now among his people, and he will dwell with them. You know, he'll stay there. He's not, he's not coming as a, as a day visitor. He's coming to dwell. He's coming to live amongst his people. And, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And um, so he's coming to, to, to fill it. It also says there's no temple now. There's no temple because... It says the Lord, in, again in Revelation, the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. They're the ones who bring the light. They're the ones who, bring, who clean the windows so we can see. They're the ones who unblock our ears so we can hear. And they've come now. So there's no temple in this uh, future. I actually talk about this some other time. I think that's the present as well. That's the present. That's what it looks like now. That's what we should look like. And... Um, but something else amazing happens between that crucifixion, that resurrection, that ascension, and this, this time when, it talk, when you have a view on God and Jesus being the temple. And it's amazing. It's amazing because it involves us. Because it involves us. Because the glory comes again. The glory comes, comes again. On the day of Pentecost, you get almost the same sort of thing as, you, as we read about as filled the temple. It says, when the day of Pentecost, this is Acts 2, it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. There's that glory coming again. There's that glory coming again to people. 
to people, onto people. And it's just not just those people, it is other people as well. Because Paul could say, he said, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So, you know, he, he dwells in you. His presence is in you. And he didn't just say, you as individuals have the, the Holy Spirit. He also says, you as a community have the Holy Spirit. He talks about it later in Corinthians. It says, it says um, and you together are that temple. So the church is that place where God dwells by his spirit. That's the place where, where, where God dwells amongst us. And that's where the presence is. We felt it a bit today. And I was going to do what Dave did at the end. We might still do it. Okay? Because this, the church, you together, us together, believers in Jesus, are the place where the presence of God dwells amongst us. You know, you're a temple. We don't use those terms. But you are a temple, the place where God is worshipped, the place where, where God operates, the place where heaven and earth meet. And it's always, it's always, by the way, come down. Yeah? The glory comes down. The glory comes down. We don't go up to get it. The glory comes down amongst us. And, and I just want to um, finish by saying, what, what does that look like? And I think it looks a bit like what Jesus said to John in... Um, in Matthew's Gospel, and I've got a, a quote it's from, from Matthew 11. It says, this is what it looks like when the glory comes. This is what it looks like when God arrives. This is what it looked like when Jesus arrived. And it looks something like this. And he's, Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. And people are filled with the Holy Spirit. And they, 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 use the, you know, they demonstrate the gifts of the Holy Spirit. All right? The gospel is proclaimed everywhere. The people are healed. People worship in spirit and truth. And they worship together. And they're not in a building. We can be, but it doesn't, it's not restricted to a building. You know, worship goes with us into the workplace. It goes with us into our homes. It goes in, with us into our families. It's not limited. It's not, not restricted. And communities are transformed through the presence of God. And as we go into Easter, let's just let ourselves be transformed by the Spirit, by the, by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God's presence in us. As we, as we just demonstrate, this is what it looks like. This is what the kingdom of God looks like when he arrives, when he comes, and let's live in that, in that presence. I'm um, going to get the band up. And, uh, and I know we started it earlier on, but I'd like to finish off what we started earlier on. Because I want us all to experience the presence of God. I want us to encounter God amongst us. You up for that? Yeah? Can you stand? And let's, if you can stand. And let's, let's just say, you know, 
the, the, we, it is awesome when the presence of God comes. It is awesome. It is, we are speechless. And just recognizing how, how great he is. So just, just let him, um, as we did earlier, just let him come upon us. Holy Spirit, come, come and just fill us. Come and just, yeah, bring those rivers of life to us. Take those, those, those bits that are dry, those bits that are, are a bit wrinkled, and, and, just, and just come and breathe your life into us. Lord, we, we ask for your presence to be here amongst us, your presence to come and fill us. Lord, we so, so need your presence in us. Lord, to, to achieve anything, we just absolutely need your presence to be in the midst of us. Uh, just as individuals and, and as a community, Lord Jesus, just come and presence yourself here amongst us, we pray. And may we just know you, just know you. Let's just...